I was up at Mountain Madness, the middle school retreat up in uh, Estes Park, Friday night and Saturday, yesterday. Uh, so for those of you who have middle schoolers up there, don't worry, they are doing well. They'll be back this afternoon. One of the great things, right, when you go on these kind of retreats is you're so excited to get away from home, you're with all your friends, and so what do you do? You stay up way too late. So Friday night, uh, a bunch of priests go up there to hear confessions, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Uh, we had so many priests there, which was great, so confessions got done around 10.15, 10.30, and I thought to myself, great, I'm going to get to go to bed early tonight. Well, I'm no better than the middle schoolers because with all my priest friends, we stayed up to like 2 a.m. So. <laughs> and then I regret it, you know? But it was great. Just spending time with particularly one of my classmates, Father Tony Davis, he got assigned to Glenwood Springs and just to catch up with him, I don't get to see him too much. So last week I heard Father Brian gave you two Latin words instead of Greek words. So to be in lockstep with my pastor, I have two Latin words for you today as well. Are you ready? Yes? All right, the two Latin words. First of all, re sentire. And the other one, re spectare. Re sentire and re spectare. First of all, recentire means to feel again, to feel again. And I want to kind of focus in on this today, and then we'll get to respectare here towards the end of the homily. But recentire, to feel again, to feel something over again. It's actually where we get the word resentment from. Resentment, to feel something over again. So, as we know, right, resentment typically has a negative connotation. I think to feel something over again typically has that. It can be good, right, to revisit certain past memories, certain good things that have happened. If you're anything like me, when something happens, you love to think it over and over and over again. Maybe, right, maybe your, your graduation, maybe there's a grace in your life. It's good to revisit those sometimes, right, to think of the good things of how God has blessed us and to revisit that. However, again, resentment often has that negative connotation. So maybe to give an example of how we tend to rethink things, we get things stuck in our head, right? And it goes on repeat over and over and over again. I don't want to go into too many details here, but I remember the first time I saw a car accident. It was tragic, actually. It was... It was actually a, a bus, a city bus, hit a, a jaywalker. And as a first grader, I had just gotten picked up by my mom, carpool, we're leaving school. Uh, again, as a first grader, very young, and we're turning, and then we saw this happen. And you replay it over and over and over in your mind, to the point where you can't sleep anymore, right? You continue to play it over and over again. Right? We have all had different experiences like that, where something happens and we replay it again and again and again. I like to look at resentment because I think it comes in very subtle ways. 
And our first reading, I think, has a lot to do with resentment. Our first reading. So we have this great story of King Saul and King David. So if we trace, if we remember, what's going on in the book of Samuel? The book of Samuel is all about the rise and the fall of King Saul, and then the rise and fall of King David. What makes them different is that King Saul does not repent, but King David does repent. If you've ever read Psalm 51, a great psalm that I would recommend for everyone to read. Right? Have mercy on me, O God, in your kindness, in your compassion, blot out my offense. And just real, real briefly here, because I was so struck by our psalm today. This is probably my all-time favorite psalm. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, so far God removes our sins from us. How far is the east from the west? It's eternal. It's forever. As far as the east is from the west, that's how much God removes our sins from us. When David, when King David repents the wrongdoing he's done, specifically after his episode with Bathsheba, he prays and writes and sings Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, take away all these things. And when we have a contrite heart approaching God for the wrong that we've done, God truly does separate our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Okay, so back to the book of Samuel, we have King Saul and King David. If we rewind a little bit, right, we remember King Saul has everything going for him. Everything. The scriptures say he was handsome, he was tall, he was everything that a king should be in, in, as a king. He had everything going for him. And along comes King David. Along comes David, right? David, we remember the story of David and Goliath. David is the one who sets Israel free from Goliath. And there's great rejoicing after that episode because they have rescued, they have been rescued. After that, Saul appoints David to be commander-in-chief, the, the chief general over all of Israel and their army. And at this time, right, if you remember, Israel is still being... Uh, the Israelites are still trying to conquer the, the rest of the Holy Land. You have the Philistines who are oppressing. And just before this, right, the, the Philistines had stolen the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. And so David has these profound victories against, uh, of war. And one day he comes back from war, and these women begin to rejoice and sing. And this is what they sing. Psalm, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 18. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Saul is king. He has done these amazing things throughout Israel. He has slain thousands. But David, he has done even more. And Saul begins to get jealous. Why is everyone praising the king? Why is everyone praising David? 
Why is no one praising me? What about all the things I've done? Why are you giving more praise? Why are you giving more um, uh, authority or, or, or worship, if you will, towards David? And jealousy begins to grow. And Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands. And to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. And through the rest of the book of Samuel, right, we see how Saul tries to kill David. He gets so angry and so frustrated and so wounded that he wants to go after David. My brothers and sisters, with great reverence, do we have those jealousies in our heart at times? That resentment, it starts as jealousy. We see another person, I wish what they had. We see someone who, we see a beautiful, happy family. Lord, how come I don't have a spouse yet? And jealousies begin to grow in our heart. And when those jealousies grow, and we don't surrender them to the Lord, they return, they turn to that resentment, to feel again and again and again, and we create this narrative in our head. Throughout the rest of the book of Samuel, as I mentioned, it's about Saul and how he's going to attack David. And what's so beautiful about our reading today is that David, despite the fact that Saul becomes his enemy, David says, I will not touch the anointed one. I will not lay a hand on the king, for he has been anointed by God. David walks into that camp. He sees the spear laying on the ground. He sees the water jar. And Abner says, why don't you just take that spear and thrust it through Saul? All your problems will be gone. If you allow your anger, your resentment to get the best of you, it'll kill other people. And David says, no, I will not touch the anointed one. I will not lay a hand on the anointed one. My brothers and sisters, the encouragement not to allow jealousies, angers, to build in our heart. Because oftentimes they become worse things and they become resentment. So what, is David, what does David teach us here? He teaches us to love our enemies. And this is precisely what Jesus talks about in this great sermon today. The Sermon on the Plain, a continuation from last week's readings. Before diving into that, though, so we have res entire to feel over again, and then we have res spectare. It's our second Latin word for the day. Res spectare literally means to look again, to look at something again, right? The way we often translate this is respect, to look at something again. I would prefer to keep the Latin translation, though, because... Uh, because we all know the great song by Aretha Franklin, right? <laughs> to look at something again. 
When people have wronged us, do we just want to seek justice? Or do we look at that person again and choose to forgive them? Do we allow resentment to grow? Do we feel that again and again? Or do we look at that person again and say, I choose to still love you. I choose to forgive you. If you have melancholic tendencies, like Father Brian, oftentimes we'll get so stuck in feeling that over and over again. Do we surrender that to the Lord and do we look again? To look again and to forgive. Okay, so we have our gospel today. Again, the continuation of, of the sermon, the greatest sermon Jesus ever preached. And he has all these different sayings today. Do good to those, do, do unto others as you wish they would do unto you, right? The golden rule. Love your enemies. I think it's different phrases like this where we, where we can think Jesus is just giving us good advice. And just a quick note to remember that while the scripture has advice in it at times, the good news of the gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news. So yes, there might be good advice in here, but ultimately it's good news. The good news that we're called to follow. So I want to focus in on this line. Be merciful just as your heavenly Father is merciful. The culture at this time, it was all about an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, etc. You've done wrong to me, I'm going to do wrong to you. You've hurt me, I'm going to hurt you even more. It's called the law of Italians. And Jesus comes and says, this is not what it's about. But when you have an injustice given to you, don't just get justice back. Be merciful. My brothers and sisters, mercy is to pardon an injustice. Mercy is to pardon an injustice. When we have injustices in our life because we've wronged others, where do we go? We go to the throne of mercy in the confession. For Jesus, who is all merciful, to look at us, and despite the injustices that we have committed and done, he says, I forgive you. I absolve you from your sins. When others have done injustices to us, we have an option to think and brood and get jealous and get angry and become resentful. But Jesus today says, forgive those, love your enemies, and do good unto others. And David, in our first reading, is an example of this. Be merciful just as your heavenly Father is merciful. May we have that same contrite heart, and may we seek to forgive the injustices that others have committed against us to look again at the other.
Okay, last point for today. Stay with me. Last point. We're just a week and a half away from Lent. If you're anything like me, Lent always seems to come way too quick, right? It catches us off guard. I encourage you to begin to pray now. Lord, what are you calling me to give up for Lent? But even more importantly, Lord, what do you want me to do for you this Lent? What do you want me to do for you? How are you calling me to be in deeper relationship with you? And maybe just one encouragement. The challenge to give up resentment, to give up that thinking patterns, that narrative that we can have in our head at times. To give that up and so to be merciful. To forgive, to pardon injustices that we have received. So my brothers and sisters, as we approach the Lord today, let us come with a contrite heart, begging for his mercy, so that just as we have received his mercy, we might be able to give mercy to others.